This is James Corbett of CorbettReport.com with your Sunday update for this third day of April, 2011. In our top story this week, the man commonly referred to as President Obama attempted to give a justification for the American-led, NATO-fronted, humanitarian bombing of Libyan civilians this week, but his speech was roundly criticized by both those on the left and the right after failing to give any justification whatsoever for these undeclared acts of war on a target that poses no security risk to any of the coalition bombing participants. Obama's speech is also being taken to task for failing to address the point that coalition forces have been demonstrated to be fighting with al-CIA fighters in Libya, that an admitted CIA operative, Khalifa Hifter, has been appointed to lead the rebel opposition, or that Obama himself signed a secret presidential finding authorizing U.S. support for Libyan rebels weeks before the kinetic military action, otherwise known as illegally undeclared war, first started. Now, Secretary of Defense Robert Gates and Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff Admiral Mike Mullen have appeared before Congress to not answer questions about what is happening, why it is happening, or how it will end. Twelve days into the U.S. bombing of Libya, U.S. congressmen were hoping to finally get some answers. But after two hours of questioning the Secretary of Defense and Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, there was still confusion about the U.S.'s endgame. I think a policy success uh, would be uh, the removal of uh, the Gaddafi regime. The military mission is a limited one and does not include regime change. Who the rebels are? We don't have much visibility into, uh, into those who have uh, risen against Gaddafi. Each element has its own agenda. And whether the U.S. will arm them. Discuss our plans, if any, regarding arming the rebels. They seem to be getting their butts whipped. But Gates and Mullen passed the buck on that one, deferring to the White House. What if it was al-Qaeda decided to bustle in there and, and arm these well, guys? we would clearly have a problem with that. How long the U.S. will stay? The bottom line is uh, no one can predict for you how long it will take uh, uh, for that to happen. And whether the U.S. is at war at all. The, these are combat operations. were intended to be combat operations from the beginning. I don't know why this administration has not been honest with the American people that this is about regime change. So you're Secretary of Defense. You ought to be an expert on what's an act of law, I'm an act of war or not. Meanwhile, the globalist propaganda network, also known as CNN, was desperate to end a segment with ex-CIA agent Michael Scheuer when Scheuer began speaking some uncomfortable truths about the Libyan operation. This is a, this is a piece of theater set up by Mrs. Clinton and Mrs. Mr. McCain and the, the bipartisan group that loves to intervene abroad. In the Muslim world, this is Americans killing Muslims again, and it looks like it's for oil. I, I, I just want to ask, are you trying to have it both ways and saying that, okay, these are tyrannies that hate their own people? Well, that's why we're helping, because in Libya, it was the people that wanted Gaddafi out, that they were tired of it. So weren't we then supporting uh, Islamic democracy, I guess you could say, in these countries where they're tired of totalitarian rule? If we were supporting Islamic democracy, that would be one thing. But if you listen to Mrs. Clinton and especially the rather crazed Miss Rice at the U.N., this is all about democracy in a world where, where democracy is not going to take hold. I think it's very clear, Michael Scheuer, that you are no fan of this policy and this administration. I, I think calling uh, Ambassador Rice crazed is, is certainly a, 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 a significant charge. Um, well, I don't know. I've just listened to her. You know, that's only my impression. And I have to say, this is not a Democratic problem. This is a Republican problem, too. Both parties love to intervene in other people's business where there are no U.S. interests at stake. 
and where we spend enormous amounts of money at a time when we're nearly bankrupt. That doesn't seem to me to be a wise practice of American and statesmanship. That's, and that's a whole other story. That it, we, it, it, to call the United States bankrupt, the United States is running humongous deficits, yes, but the economy and this mission in Libya are, are two separate issues. They're not separate issues, ma'am. You're just carrying the water for Mr. Obama. I'm certainly not carrying anyone's water, and, and, that, and I, I will assure you of that. Michael Scheuer, thank you so much for your time. Um, we, you know, we've had a very long, exhaustive interview. You had plenty of time to give your point of view on that. Uh, we're going to be right back. It's 38 minutes past. Thanks, Michael. Look for Scheuer to never again be invited onto CNN or any other establishment propaganda network, and that viewpoint to never again be presented to those who still believe these networks actually present news. In other news, the Fukushima fallout continues to spread, with the Canadian government taking the unusual step of saying that they will not test for radioactive iodine-131 contamination in Canadian dairy products until they can determine that the contamination has exceeded safe levels. Radiation near the Fukushima nuclear plant has hit a new high. Japan's nuclear agency says iodine-131 levels are more than 4,000 times the legal standard. Radiation has already made its way to B.C.'s shores, and now milk from Washington state is showing tiny amounts of contamination. So what about our dairy products? Well, Kirk Williams has been looking into that. Kirk. Arthur, the simple answer is, is we think milk is safe here, but the problem is we don't know for sure because it's not being tested. The situation is still serious at the stricken Japanese nuclear power plant, and low levels of radiation continue to be detected here in North America. In the United States, radioactive iodine has turned up in milk in Washington state. However, the Food and Drug Administration and the Environmental Protection Agency say these findings are a minuscule amount compared to what people experience every day. For example, a person would be exposed to low levels of radiation on a round-trip cross-country flight, watching television, or even from construction materials. Not a concern in Washington, but what about here? Officials here have been testing rainwater and seaweed in British Columbia for radiation. So far, nothing dangerous. But the Canadian Food Inspection Agency confirms, unlike the states, domestic food, including milk, is not being tested for radiation. The theory being, if radiation levels are safe in the environment, they must be safe in the food. In a statement to the CBC, the CFIA says, if and when the situation changes, the CFIA is prepared to take additional action to ensure that the Canadian food supply remains safe. It is unsure exactly how the government will know if the levels are safe for human consumption if they are not performing any testing. Watch for Canadians to not do anything to demand proper safety testing, and watch for the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation to stop filing even these uninformative cover-up reports once the Stanley Cup playoffs get underway. Meanwhile, Greenpeace has sent its own team to investigate radiation readings around the troubled Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant and discovered radiation levels above the Japanese government's own self-imposed limits for evacuation a full 20 kilometers outside of the current evacuation zone. The government, however, is continuing to maintain that it is perfectly safe for residents in the area to live there and are continuing to give radiation readings and updates that may or may not have anything to do with the reality on the ground. Finally this week, Bloomberg has finally managed to receive 29,000 pages of documents detailing who received some of the hundreds of billions of dollars of loans through the Federal Reserve's so-called discount window. 
The Federal Reserve released an unprecedented look at how it helped prop up the banking system at the height of the financial crisis. It took a lawsuit filed by this company, Bloomberg LP. It went all the way to the Supreme Court to force the central bank to release this information. So it's going to take us some time to sort through the thousands of pages of documents and bring you the bottom line. So a lot of banks got three something, three point something trillion dollars. I didn't even know we had that much money. Well, we didn't have that much money. The Federal Reserve didn't have that much money. In, in the old days, they would have printed it. In the modern era, they just told the banks to add zeros to their accounts with the Fed. Oh, that's great. So the money was created out of thin air. This is in 2008. But think about $3.3 trillion, uh, Shep. That's more than the budget of the federal government. That's one quarter of the gross national product. The combination of all economic activity in the United States of America went out in a three-month period created out of thin air. What's the effect of that? We start to see it now, a few years later. Rising prices, food, beer, gasoline, and beer commodities. Level. The, the number to me was startling, that it was, and, and to people that watch this for a living, the 3.3 trillion in that short period of time. It's no, it, it, was, it was nothing. You mean, it, it, you, they literally added zeros to the back of their accounts. Yes. And now the banksters are having just had the most profitable quarter of the new millennium. Well, listen to this. They borrowed some money from the Treasury and the Fed in order to pay back the Fed the money that they borrowed from it in 2008. That's ridiculous, but that's the way the system works. Now, please go to CorbettReport.com to download episode 180 of the Corbett Report podcast, The Chernobyl Question, where we examine how the truth about the extent of the Chernobyl disaster has been kept from the public for 25 years and what this means in the wake of the Fukushima crisis.